So Jesus, knowing what was coming, knowing all the violence and shame and horror, the seriousness, decides what he needs most is a parade. And that just captivates me. Palm Sunday has always been a hard Sunday for me to figure out because the parade seems so honestly corny. I mean, taking off coats and waving branches. On the other side of town, now, Pilate knew how to throw a parade. It is entirely possible that day that Jesus paraded in that Pilate, the governor, was also parading in. See, it was the start of the week of Passover. And Passover was when they celebrated freedom from the Egyptians. So it was a time of celebrating freedom from big and mighty empires. So a big and mighty empire like Rome was savvy and knew this kind of holiday can spark rebellion. So Pilate and his soldiers, they showed up. And they would have had a parade with armor glinting in the sun and flags snapping in the wind and Pilate on a mighty war horse. That's how you throw a parade. And Jesus, well, he goes to pains to make sure he has a donkey colt of all things. He arranges this parade from beginning to end. And I'm so curious about that. The cult's not a mistake. He seems to have been familiar, almost certainly was familiar, with this line from Zechariah, where we're told that the chosen one will come humble, riding on a donkey on the foal of a donkey on a colt. Humbly bringing peace, not war. Jesus brings nothing like the dominating power of Pilate. He brings a kind of power born in vulnerability, a kind of power that is born not even able to hold its own head up, weak and needy. This is the kind of power Jesus is born with. There are different schools of thought about how much Jesus knew about his mission and when. So some believe that before Jesus was even born, the pre-existent Christ knew all that was to come. And some think, some variation of that, that Jesus, as a child, maybe a baby, maybe a young child, maybe an adolescent, came to know what all was ahead of him, the path he'd have to walk. And others think he figured it out as he went along, that it was slowly revealed to him bit by bit. No matter how you look at it, by this point, surely he knew things weren't going to go well. Maybe he had it lined out in his head exactly what was going to happen day by day. Or maybe he, he uh, solely knew that 
horror and shame and violence lay ahead of him. Come what may, he wanted a parade. So I've been thinking about that. And as I was thinking about that this week and what he might or might not have known, a friend of mine shared this from Brian Doyle, who was contemplating how much Jesus might have known and what a burden that might have been to have known what all was coming. And he writes, Then it hit me that the poor guy had the sharpest vision ever inflicted on a human being. What an awful, relentless load that must have been, you know? To see everything that would happen to you way into the future, that would be unmistakable hell. It would. You know what I mean. Maybe he was seven years old when he had his first intimation, when he had a vision clear as could be of Pilate and the olive wood cross. You wish he had some days he forgot, maybe. Or his buddies made him laugh so hard he could hardly stop. Some weeks when he was just a kid, just a gawky, sneery teenager, a shy, calm, young guy named Yeshua, everyone called on as they ordered carpentered things from the shop. They tease him as they leave, and he's snickering as he fills out the work order, and then his future smashes in on him again. Poor guy. We wish he did have days when he didn't see too well. Am I right? How weird to say that. But if he was truly us, which I think is the genius of the whole thing, then he wasn't some superstar but illuminated us, which means we're him and he's somehow us, then you feel for him. A young guy, hardly older than the soldiers blown up every day in our wars. You wish he had a day sometimes when he didn't see well, when he couldn't focus, when he forgot. I don't think there was any chance that week that he was going to forget what was coming. But I think he needed this parade, not just for the symbolism, not just to fulfill the prophecy, he needed a parade, not as a distraction, as something more. He needed the joy, the raucous laughter, the spontaneity, the energy that must have captured people to make them pull off their coats. None of us pulled off our coats this morning. If we forgot them, we regretted it. I think he needed a parade as a kind of protest. Yes, against Pilate specifically, but also against all the horror that humanity can dole out that he was getting ready to undergo. I think what Jesus was doing was something that the poet Jack Gilbert calls risking delight. Gilbert has this wonderful line. 
In the poem about the horrors of the world, he says, If we deny our happiness, resist our satisfaction, we lessen the importance of others' deprivation. We must risk delight. We can do without pleasure, but not delight, not enjoyment. We must have the stubbornness to accept our gladness in the ruthless furnace of this world. To make injustice the only measure of our attention is to praise the devil. We must risk delight. To make injustice the only measure of our attention is to praise the devil. That's why Jesus needed a parade. In the face of all that was coming, all the violence and shame, he risked delight. I think he thought it was essential. He went to all this trouble to make it happen, lined up a colt, got people to line up on the road. We can never turn away from the horror of the world. It is real. The cross is real. War rages, our lives fall apart, we lose those we love, people are hurt, literally and emotionally. The world is falling apart all the time. And yet to make injustice the only measure of our attention is to miss the point of God's goodness entirely. We must risk delight. Celebrating little wins, celebrating the moments of calm in a chaotic life, celebrating the moments when it all comes together in the face of a world that is not yet weary of war, we still risk delight. We do that together. We do that at our homes. We do that as we as we enjoy the glories of spring days and laugh at sleet in April and wonder at the days of 70-degree warmth that are coming, we risk delight in the face of all the world offers. We risk enjoyment, even a parade. Delight seems so simple, doesn't it? So powerless, pointless even. But that is the point. The way the Gospel of John tells it, the night before this parade, Jesus was at the home of some of his friends, and one of his dearest friends took a pint of perfume. Think of a pint box of milk, that much perfume, and poured it all over him which is entirely too much. It must have filled the whole room. And someone there said what everyone must have been thinking, what a waste. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Sometimes beauty for beauty's sake is essential. And I wonder if as that perfume flowed down over his hair, his shoulders, his arms, his feet, 
if that's when it came to him, I know what I need. I need a parade. As we move into this week, there will be much to lament. But we move not under our own steam, but by the power of a love that does not die, that walks with us through the darkest days to the cross and beyond. A love that will never fail us or leave us alone, that claims us in life and in death. What wondrous love. Amen.